content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show is pre-recorded. Everyday Wealth is produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky. Ms. Chatsky is not an employee or client of the firm. She receives fixed cash compensation as host and for related activities, and therefore has an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see www.edelmanfinancialengines.com slash everydaywealth. The 2022 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed by the firm, technology spending, staff diversity, succession planning, and other metrics. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2022 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with personal finance expert, Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky. Hey, everyone. I'm Gene Chatsky. Thanks for joining us today for Everyday Wealth. So today actually marks the end of the second season of the Everyday Wealth podcast. And if you look back, at the past two years and over 100 episodes of this show, you'll see that we've covered a wide variety of topics related to financial planning and building wealth. And just to give you a little peek behind the curtain on our process, we try to choose topics we think will be most impactful for you, most impactful for our listeners. Some of these are evergreen. They're always on topics like when to claim social security, investing versus speculation, strategies to help you save for college. But other times, we turn to the news. We talk about something related to the economy, the stock market, or geopolitical events. In any case, the topics that we discuss here, they usually fall into one of six buckets, financial planning, tax planning, investment management, estate planning, and insurance guidance. Those are five of them. They're all services that the wealth planners at Edelman Financial Engines can provide on a daily basis for their clients. But it's number six, retirement planning, which we have come back to again and again. And that's because it is one of the top financial concerns overall of most Americans. When you look at the retirement focused shows that we've done, you'll see the psychology of retirement, how to retire in a bear market, retiring solo, retiring abroad, aging and partial retirement, the retirement risks, even what if you never retire by choice. And in addition to the great advice that we've been able to hear from wealth planners like Andy Smith and Isabel Barrow and some of their colleagues at Edelman Financial Engines, we've had interviews with some of the most respected retirement experts going, people like Ken Dykdwald and Riley Moynes and Rob Berger. And by the way, all of those past episodes, all of those interviews, they are available to you 24-7 in the Everyday Wealth archives. That's at everydaywealth.com. And so as we finish out season two, we thought we would end it with a topic focused on the core question that you should be asking yourself related to your retirement. And that is, are you planning for the right retirement. Isabel Barrow and Andy Smith are both here to help me hash this out. Great to see both of you. Great to see you. You too. And thanks for having us on again, Jean. Of course. And Andy, I'm going to kick it off with you. The, the key word in today's show title is right. Are you planning for the right retirement? Got to tell you, sounds a little loaded to me. It sounds almost like it's it's a quiz or a test that has a single right answer. And if you get it wrong, you are just stuck. Yeah. Is uh, that? It's not the, no, it's not the case. So there's, there's no kind of one magical right retirement for everybody in the entire known universe, right? We're talking about how to choose the right type of retirement or the appropriate type of retirement for you. And so one that's not just about the end of work, 
but it's about other things, right? It's about finding purpose. It's about finding your passion. It's about finding some other form of fulfillment in your post-work life. And so that is going to mean different things to different people. So there's no one right or correct way to retire, but there are some issues, there are some incorrect ways to go about that. And that's kind of what we see. That's what we try to help people with as we help them transition to different points and parts of their life. Well, when you talk about incorrect ways to go about it, I mean, one of those things that you can get wrong is planning incorrectly or not planning sufficiently for the financial security that you need to enjoy whatever kind of a retirement you decide is right for you. I mean, there's no point really in thinking about your retirement goals if you don't have a financial plan that will not only get you there, but support you in it for a very, very long time. We're going to dig into that in just a sec. But before we do, can we talk about the process for figuring out what kind of retirement you want? Because ultimately, that has to inform the financial piece of it, your financial plan. How does somebody, Isabel, start thinking about retirement in a way that is more life than numbers? I think that this is really the key piece that we should all be thinking about here, right? And and what I mean by that is we go about our lives thinking about how the numbers, how much to save in our emergency fund and how much do I tax deduction do I get and, and how much should I be putting in my 401k. But we never think about until it's time to actually be, you know, rubber hits meets the road. We never think about what am I going to do with that really specifically. And so it kind of is like we have to ask that initial question is sort of like a reverse engineer, which is, what do you actually want to accomplish with your money? What are your goals? What does retirement actually look like? What are you going to do? You know, some of those people you were referencing earlier, the never retirees, you know, I'm never going to retire. Part of the reason why they never want to retire is because they don't know what they're going to do. So in order to think about what you actually need in order to make a retirement happen, you've got to think about what does it look like? What am I? What do I want to do with my day? What do I want to do with my life? Uh, you know, this latter part of my life, it could be 40 years, maybe longer. Who knows? It could be 50 years. So you got to really think about starting backwards. Think about your goals, your dreams. What are the things you want to accomplish? Do you want to spend more time with family? Do you want to travel? Do you want to move? Think about what matters to you. Paint a picture of what your future life is going to be. And then we can work backwards to try to figure out how do we work all of these different priorities, whether or not it be charities or, or, or family or any of the goals that you have, how do we now work that into the financial picture? So put the money second, put the goals first and think about that before you start thinking about all of the numbers. If you don't know what's on this list, and, and quite frankly, Andy, I relate Right. I don't know what is on this list for me, what I will be doing or even want to do when I stop working at some point in the future. So I'm wondering if you've got a client like me who truly doesn't know, how do you help them start to identify what might make them happy and how early should you be having these conversations? I mean, I'm 59. I'm coming up on my 60th birthday. I still don't know. Um, you have to remember, it's not just about financial planning. It's about life planning at this point. So when you think about work, right, there's so much that work kind of provides or people get wrapped up in a lot of different aspects. There's the income aspect, there's the work, there's the friendship, sometimes there's travel, there's, you know, people's identity is wrapped up in this five, six day a week sort of profession. So when you talk about moving past that, you have to address this idea that your entire life probably is going to change. So I ask a lot of open-ended questions to try to get them thinking about this. So I'll like, talk about, well, like, you know, what does an ideal day or an ideal retirement or an ideal location look like for you when you stop working? 
right? What are some places that you've always wanted to go? What are some things that you've always wanted to do? What have you kind of always had to cross off your list? And so when I talk with clients, sometimes they know that they want to retire. Sometimes they know that they want to keep doing something. They just want to stop working for whoever they're working for right now. And then sometimes people in these conversations just need another human being to talk with because they've got all this stuff kind of crammed into their heads and they've never had this opportunity to talk and really kind of share these dreams or these worries or anything else. And it's there's a lot of life planning that goes into it. What I'm trying to help people do is not be the person that's going to screw up a two-car parade, right? When do you want to retire? I don't know. How much does it cost you to live in retirement? I don't know. I mean, but people retire, they jump off into this unknown and they have no clue, right? That's just, well, you know, Papa retired when he was 62. I'm going to do it too. Well, guess what? You're going to go broke by 68 because you don't have that plan. But there's the money aspect, the life aspect. They both go together. You just got to start thinking about it, you know, ahead of time. Isabel, how do you approach it with your clients? Or even better, if you've got an example of a client that you helped through this process, I would love to hear about it. Well, I mean, over the years, geez, there's... uh... You only, for most of us, you know, you retire once, but I've watched hundreds, I mean, maybe more, I don't know, over 20 years, 20 plus years, hundreds of people retire. And I think, I mean, I think of of a couple of clients who really did kind of need a little bit of context around what is it like for most people, right? What does it look like when somebody retires? What do they do? And my advice at that point is, look, everybody's retirement is different, but if you don't know what it's going to look like, first of all, take some time. Don't don't retire if you're not ready, number one. And two, take some time. You can stop working and you don't have to have it all figured out tomorrow as to exactly what your day is going to look like, but you do need to have some type of a plan. You do need to start having some type of organizational structure to your day. Um, I had a client who retired sort of at, it was kind of a last minute decision. I mean, he knew he was going to retire in the next year or two, but then, you know, was having trouble with the boss and just like went went in one day and was like, I'm done. And (laughs) it was maybe a week before he called me and was like, I don't, you know, this is, I don't like this. This is not, I'm not comfortable. I'm really not happy doing this. Like I have a lot of things on my honey do list, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm panic stricken. And, and my advice was like, first of all, chill out. It's going to be okay. You know, you're allowed to retire. Um, Um, you might decide to go back to work, but don't panic yet. Take some time for yourself and, you know, start working on the things on the honeydew list and see if things start settling down. It might just be a little bit of anxiety about how much change is going on. You know, we all kind of go through a hard time when we are transitioning, whether or not it be a move or a new job or a marriage or divorce or whatever, change is hard. And yeah. so you shouldn't expect it to like to waltz in. And for some people, they they retire and they're like, this is the greatest thing that ever happened to me ever. I'm so happy about it. And then others are, are there's some anxiety around that. And that's okay. It's okay. You know, and I, and I also think not to pivot to like something sad when retirement should be happy, but I also think you've got to be ready for stuff to change. I have seen countless times, unfortunately, people who have made a plan to do all sorts of things in retirement and it was going to be great and they're going to travel with their spouse and they're going to move to be near their grandkids and then some a spouse dies or or something else happens or gets sick and, and needs to go into a, a long-term care facility and things change and you have to be ready for that and you've got to have a plan to um, work around that. You know, you're, you're, you have to have some flexibility built into your financial plan to be ready for for something to happen that may be unexpected or may be expected, right? We're all going to die someday, but it just may be earlier than you had hoped for. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that is a really important point. And when we talk about the quote unquote right retirement, my guess is that for a person who's retired 25, 35 years, maybe more, we're, we're talking about three or four right retirements, right? You're going to go through phases. You're, you're not, it it isn't going to be one consistent life. Just like for many people, your career wasn't one consistent life. You had different phases, Andy. I mean, I, I think 
that what you both are saying about this idea that you don't have to have a specific vision nailed makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, you don't have to have it. Um, there's kind of two general camps of conversations that I have for these kind of retirement launch or pre-retirement um, planning conversations. One is people have very specific visions for what they want out of retirement, right? Um, some people have a pretty preposterous idea of what retirement's going to look like, right? So they just are completely underestimating costs or time or the fact that somebody wants to spend that much time with them, you know, <laughs> um, you know, for years and years, right? Uh, you know, side note, maybe retiring at the exact same time as your spouse <laughs> might not be the best idea in the this world. Is actually a you, this is a common theme yeah. that we... <laughs> That we yeah, see can be like, a little oh bit gosh, of a struggle you for chew people. So loudly, I couldn't right. know how you know aggravating. Wait, so let me. Right. You you yeah. suggest that people sort of stagger their retirement. Oh, is that is that what yeah. I'm hearing? Yeah, because people, you know, have they have this wonderful vision of holding hands and then going off into the great unknown, and then all of a sudden you're spending 18 hours a day with this person that you love and you've been married to forever, but you've never spent that amount of time with this person ever. Hello, so, did about- not anybody else besides me live through COVID? I mean, I feel like <laughs> yeah. I I went home to work during COVID. I never left. My husband never left. And he's basically retired now, but I feel like I, I, you know, I know what it's like to live with him 24-7. Even if I thought I... Divorce rates during COVID, Gene, were very high. That that is true. That is true. But I do feel like people got a little bit of a taste for it during, during at least part of 2020. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You know, yeah, you got a, you got maybe a little bit of a prelude to what it could look like to be together all the time. Well, and remember I, the, the the national pastime during COVID was, honey, you're doing it wrong. You know, it's like you're loading the dishwasher wrong. You're doing this wrong and everything else. So, you know, when we talk about these visions for what retirement could be, sometimes they know. And then sometimes it's a lot of conversations, right? So I'm encouraging clients to talk about things or think about things that they've never really allowed themselves the opportunity to consider, right? Their interests, their own hobbies, their own passions. So retirement can be this opportunity to explore all of these different avenues, kind of rediscover what brings you joy. If you've put work first and family first and kids first for decades, This is an opportunity for you to kind of go through this process of self-discovery, of experimentation. So you're trying new stuff. And if it doesn't work out, who cares? Because you're not on the clock anymore. So you've got activities, you've got volunteering, you're taking classes. Maybe you get bored and want a little bit of walking around money in your pocket. So you've got some part-time job that moves into something else, you know, something that aligns with your interests. But the idea is, is that over time, you will gain more clarity about what you want your life to look like. And then you just keep kind of developing that idea going forward. All right, let's talk about the money. Because none of this happens without your financial life supporting this life that you have decided that you want to build, whether you know what it is precisely or whether it's a work in progress. Isabel, where do you start? Well, I I think the best place to start is maybe like the hardest for most people, which is to... And I, I hate to use the word budget. I think you guys know I don't love that term, but um, because it makes me feel like diet. It's just like it just feels hard. But it's knowing, okay, what are your what are you, what are you spending? Right. So I ask that question to people, what are your expenses? And I can't really think of more than a handful of people ever who have answered me accurately in the first go. Right. It's it's typically a all right, well, let's write this down or let's reverse engineer this by looking at, you know, what income do you have coming in and what's left in your bank account at the end of the month. So it's just simply knowing where to start. Okay. What's your balance sheet look like? What do you have coming in? What do you have going out? So debts and assets. 
And what's, you know, your overall financial picture look like? Understanding what are the risks to you? Is it a risk that you, um, you know, uh, let's say uh, have a healthcare issue and that's going to be a major concern because your healthcare is going to be extremely expensive. What are your expenses and how do they relate to your, you know, your own kind of personal inflation, right? Is inflation a big risk to you because a lot of your expenses are related to, to gas and driving versus a mortgage that may be kind of a fixed rate and and that's not as big of an issue. So it's thinking about your own kind of, um, again, just the basics of your financial picture first, which for many people is really hard because you don't day to day sit down and think about building out, you know, an expense worksheet. But I think that that's something that even from a young age is something great to teach your your kids, your, your grandkids, sit down and write down your budget. Just kind of keep generally keep track of stuff. What do you typically spend on your credit card? What do you typically spend on utilities? What do you typically spend on gas and food, et cetera? And what is your travel budget going to look like? So another really common thing that I think people struggle with is just managing their own expectations of what they can actually afford to do. So it's important to have a realistic understanding of what this is, what, what travel is going to cost. You know, I, I was looking at going to Europe last summer. I forget, you know, it was like by the time all was said and done, it was going to be like $20,000. And I was like, hello, no, we're not doing that. But now looking at it this year as an alternative, it's a lot less expensive. So it might be, you know, managing your expectations, but it may be temporary or maybe saying instead of taking the the four trips we had planned to do, we're going to take two. But I think, you know, this also goes both ways. It's not just managing expectations downward. It's also Mm. being realistic that if you, you know, I think I just, I see almost as commonly as people struggling to try to figure out how they can afford everything they want is those who have enough to be able to afford everything they want, but are terrified to actually spend it. So I think it goes both ways. It's kind of understanding your expectations, but also understanding your abilities to spend down your money and how to how to accomplish that in a way that is going to bring you joy and not give you anxiety that you're going to you know be a bag lady someday and run out of money. It's a big ball of wax. And and I think once you have put those dreams and goals on paper and maybe started to attach numbers to them, then it becomes, all right, I don't want to just do this for one year. I want to be able to do this every year, basically until I die or no longer want to do it anymore. And that that's a plan. I mean, Andy, how do you get from where Isabel leaves off to, I want to do this for three decades? Yeah, well, you just have to start, you know, putting pen to paper for that. And what I find is that people think that from the very beginning, they have to come up with this just majestic, beautiful, glorious, you know, financial plan, retirement plan that's going to tell them everything that they're going to do for the next 30, 35 years. That's not how it works, right? There's a lot of notes and scribbling down. There's a lot of revisions and everything else. There's a lot of conversations just maybe between spouses between spouses and me, but you just have to start putting all of this together in kind of a very comprehensive plan sort of approach that's going to incorporate your financial components and your lifestyle components. So like we were talking about, this is, you know, specific financial targets. This is specific timelines. How much do you need and when do you need it? Are you traveling every year, every other year? Are you offsetting like a home project one year and then a trip the other year? Uh, What about gifts to kids or grandkids, tithing, all of these different things? You've got investments in there, right? If you notice, at no point have have Isabel or myself kind of led with this idea of what are we going to invest in? The investments are a tool that kind of work to support what your overall goal is. And so that's what goal-based planning really is about. It's not how do I invest and then let's figure out how to spend based on those investment goals. It's what do I want to do And then what do I need to do in the account there after that? But all the way through, there's kind of this through line, right? That's this idea of developing a budget that's going to support whatever your retirement aspirations are. So there's no one right retirement. Everybody's retirements are different. Everybody's aspirations are different. So it's aligning your own finances with your own goals. 
You're not retiring the way that your neighbors did. You're not retiring the way that your parents did. You're sure as hell not, a, you know, retiring the way that your kids are going to. So everybody has different priorities. Everybody has different hot buttons, concerns, things that are going to make them lay awake at three o'clock in the morning, staring up at the ceiling. But that plan has a financial component and a lifestyle component. And then there are these strategies that we're employing that bring all of that together and help allow that person to retire and stay retired, you know, all the way through. When you talk about the strategies, you're getting at the concept of your retirement portfolio, your investments in retirement. How are they different from your investments when you're working and accumulating? So I think about it as like one is the roadmap and the other is the car. So, you know, the retirement plan, that's your GPS. That's just the where am I going? You know, how am I going to, where am I, where am I going and how am I going to get there? And you got to be ready to pivot or change. You know, you're going to hit traffic every once in a while. You might have to get off on an exit, change a tire. I was on 95 coming home from Thanksgiving with my kids, my dog and a full car completely packed at seven o'clock at night with a flat tire on the side of 95. It was not great. So we had to pivot. I took an Uber home. It was an hour and a half Uber ride. Sometimes you've got to pivot and change with what your, you know, your plans were. And that's sort of the roadmap. That's the financial plan. But you do need the car, right? The investments are the thing that's going to get you from point A to point B. So you actually need the vehicle and the investments and the, the, the retirement portfolio. That's what's going to provide the vehicle to get you here, right? So you can't, have the retirement plan without the assets to put behind it. Um, so I think about, you know, when we're building a retirement portfolio, you're kind of thinking about the legs of a stool. You're thinking about, okay, I have an income stream that's, you know, from Social Security, that might be one leg of the stool. I have a pension that might be another leg of the stool. And then the third leg of the stool I have is my investment income. And so we have to think about how all those sort of critical components of the plan are working together to provide this income stream. So, you know, the, the retirement portfolio is really the financial engine that is powering those retirement dreams. And those are things like retirement accounts, investments, again, other, other sources, social security and pension. But it, these are all things that are really going to be specifically suited to that GPS of where you're going, right? I'm, you and I are not going the same place. So we've got to figure out, right, how your retirement plan and your investment strategy work together. But the plan has to come first. You can't get in the car and start driving without knowing where you're going. I guess you can, but it really wouldn't be all that efficient. So we've got to think about, again, building out the plan first, have your unique strategy, have a drawdown strategy, have an understanding of when you're going to take Social Security, you know, what your priorities and your goals are. Are you trying to leave money? Are you trying to die with your last dollar? Have all of those things worked out, knowing that, again, it could change. You could be me on the side of 95 with a flat tire trying to figure out what to do. But hopefully you're not there forever. You've got to get back on the road at some point. So be ready to pivot. And that plan is always going to be ever changing. But that's okay. You have to expect that. First of all, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I mean, that is just that is just awful, right? You've got your left. I'm sure you had leftovers in the car and you're like thinking we were supposed to eat these for the next two days. And now I hope we get home. Anyway, I mm -hmm. hope your kids behaved and that it was not a complete and total nightmare. It wasn't. Um, it was fine. But we had never get tire locks on your car. Like this was the main problem. We just couldn't get the tire off. And uh. It was a nightmare. But anyhow, we had two tow truck drivers, couldn't do it. Finally, we just left the car and my husband got it. Anyway, an long and short of it is, we were fine, but it was four and a half hours on the side of the road. And look, I get what you're saying. You got to know, I mean, for somebody like me who thinks maybe I want to continue working, doing something, maybe part-time, but for a good number of years, retirement and my journey is going to look very different than somebody who at 62 never wants to set foot in the world of work again and wants to just live on what they, it's personal, Andy, which is, I think, what you've said about a hundred times during this show already. Yeah, um, I guess I'm, I'm always flabbergasted that people think that there is this one size fits all approach to however they need to retire, however they need to invest and whatever else, you know, they think that investing or, you know, personal finance is. 
right? There is no one size fits all. It's basically a one size fits none approach, right? Not all 55 year olds wear the same size t-shirt. Not all 65 year olds are going to have the same retirement. So if you think that there is this kind of, you know, magical way that you have to go about retirement planning. And if you don't, if that doesn't fit you, then you're doing something wrong. That's not the case, right? So what we do is we, we really try to help our clients design these portfolios and plans that kind of align with their goals, their risk tolerance, their time horizon. So, you know, think of, um, you know, think of a giant fruit basket, right? You've got pineapple, you've got apples, oranges, bananas, like whatever else is in there. There's always going to be a lot of fruit in that fruit basket. That's investing, right? You're not just going to have one magical banana all the way through and invest in the (laughs) S&P 500 and then that's it, right? Because sometimes the banana, you open it up and it's terrible. And then sometimes, you know, the apple's great and the pineapple's great and everything else. So you've got this fruit basket, right? This kind of diversified allocation of different investments. Well, you don't just buy something and hold it forever. You have to look at things, monitor, you have to adjust. You talk about kind of this roadmap. In college, I was an English major. Um, one of the books I, re- I had to read and, and do a, a lot of work on was uh, Steinbeck's Travels with Charlie. So he's in this car, takes his standard poodle, and they go on all of these back roads all the way through. He never really knew where he was going one day to the next. That's kind of what retirement is. He had a general sense of where he was going. You have a general sense of where you want to go in retirement. But Steinbeck's path changed, right? Mm -hmm. Your path will change. Your investments, guess what? They need to change. So if you think that you're going to buy and hold this one magical investment forever, and I'm an absolute knucklehead because I don't just invest in the S&P 500, That's not how investing works, especially as you're trying to adapt to those different goals. So life is dynamic. Your retirement plan needs to be dynamic. It should be flexible enough to adjust to, you know, lots of different circumstances. So when I get there and I decide to get the heck out and, you know, take my sheepdog and go wherever, I'm going to know where I'm going, but things will change. You have to be able to adapt all the way through. Which is, of course, why you need help, right? I mean, and, and if you're working with somebody, fantastic. If you're not working with somebody, give the folks at Edelman Financial Engines a call. They can help you figure out the answers to these questions. What type of retirement is right for you and how to craft a plan that can help you get there as you begin your journey, but also morph with it along the way. Andy, Isabel, thank you so much for doing this. Again, for sharing your insights. It's always a great conversation when you guys are around. Always great to be here, Jean. Absolutely. No problem. We are going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk with a special guest about the different forms that retirement might take when we lean into self-reinvention. Stick with us. Are you worried about the current volatility of the market, inflation rates, talk of a recession? Are you second-guessing your investment decisions? What better time than now to ensure your finances are moving forward than by getting an expert second opinion from an Edelman Financial Engines planner? Whether you already have a planner or simply need a new perspective, They can help you manage your wealth plan to both weather the volatility of the market today and help you protect and preserve it over the long term. To schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today, call 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833-752-6333. Or visit their website at efewealthplanners.com. Put your uncertainties to rest once and for all. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup right now. We are back and I am so excited to introduce my guest today. Joanne Lippman is an award-winning journalist. She's served as the editor-in-chief of USA Today, Condé Nast Portfolio, the Wall Street Journal's Weekend Journal, leading those organizations to six Pulitzer Prizes. She is also a best-selling author, and her latest book is entitled Next, The Power of Reinvention in Life and Work. Joanne, welcome. Thank you, Jean. It's great to be here with you. 
So great to have you here. So great to see you and particularly to to talk about this subject. We we just came out of a, a conversation about getting ready for the right retirement and how tough it is for, for a lot of people, me included, to wrap their brains around the notion of what might be the right retirement for them and, and how they can transition into doing something different than they were perhaps doing for the last couple of, of years, if not decades. You've studied this. You've interviewed everybody on the subject. What's your sort of thesis about why this is so hard? Yeah, yeah. Well, so thank you for that great question, because what we're seeing is baby boomers, right, are now either in retirement age or getting very close to retirement age. And what we've seen, and I've interviewed hundreds of people, and and for my book, it's called Next the power of reinvention in life and work. And for the book, I interviewed several hundred people, including people from their 20s up through their 90s. What was so fascinating is those people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, were still feeling really vibrant and were still looking for what was next for them. And I think this is something that has been unique to this baby boom generation because we are healthier than any other previous generation. We still feel vital and energetic. And the other thing is that so many of us have put so many years into the workforce that we've developed all of these skills and we have all this life experience and we're ready to give back, right? We don't want to waste everything that, you know, I think about in my own career, so many bosses invested in me and mm-hmm. I don't want to waste everything that they taught to me. I want to actually use that and develop that and bring it to the next level and for the next generation. And I feel like that is a very, very typical pattern for the people who I interviewed. In the book, you write about how somehow along the road to adulthood, we are losing this power to reimagine different futures. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we get stuck on this linear path? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, when you're a child, right, and and you ask any kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's very easy for a kid to say, oh, I want to be an astronaut. And then you ask them the next day and tomorrow they're like, I'm going to be a ballerina. And they can, they have no angst about switching from one to the next to the next. But what happens is, particularly starting when we get into college, we have to choose a major, and then we graduate college, and we have to find a job, and then maybe we get married, and, you know, we're, maybe we buy a house or have children, and with every single life step along the way, it feels like our options narrow. We're on a path, we have guardrails around us, we have responsibilities, and it's really hard to get out of it. And one of the things that I wanted to do with with the book, when I interviewed so many of these people, I interviewed people who had really reinvented their lives or reinvented their careers, just to understand, like, what is the mindset that allows us to imagine change and actually to make really meaningful change in our lives? As you talk to people who maybe weren't at that mindset and then found a way to embrace it, I know you isolated four steps to a successful reinvention. Can we talk about each of them briefly? Because for people like me who aren't exactly sure what's next, I think having some sort of a process to follow is is very, very helpful and a little bit stress reducing. Yeah, definitely. So I found that um, the people I interviewed and also then I interviewed experts. I interviewed everybody from psychiatrists to neuroscientists to management theorists. And I found that there was a very common pattern among those who successfully were able to reinvent or really navigate change. And I call it the reinvention roadmap. The four steps, there's search, struggle, stop, 
solution. So very quickly, search. The first step is when you are starting to collect information, collect experiences. The really interesting thing about the search step at the beginning, it's very often unintentional. It's, you know, you have a random interest or you're taking a course or it's just something that you've always been interested in your life. And it's, it's, you don't realize it's going to lead you ultimately to a transition. The second step after the search is struggle. Okay, struggle is the one we don't like to talk about because it's really uncomfortable. This is the time when you're starting to leave your previous identity behind. You haven't quite figured out the new one. The problem with struggle is you feel like you're standing still and also you feel like it's only you. It feels like everybody else is on this glide path to success. They know where they're going and only you are stuck. And the really fascinating thing I found in my research is that struggle phase is actually the single most important phase. And even though it feels like you're standing still, you're actually moving forward. There's a lot going on internally. It doesn't feel good, but there's a lot happening that's going to propel you forward. So the struggle often doesn't end until you reach the third stage, and that is the stop. So the stop is something that pulls you out of your routine, and it could be something that that you choose. It could be I quit my job, or I retire from my job, or I have a baby, or I get married. But it could also be something that happens to you, like you get fired. It could also be something that happens to you, like a global pandemic, which happened to all of us. Whatever it is, it pulls you out of your routine, and it actually gives you the perspective that you need to put that search and struggle into context. And that stop is when you have your realization and it really helps you figure out how to get to your solution, that fourth and final step, which is after, you know, wherever it is that you are transitioning to. So two questions about the steps. First, does everybody have to go through all of them? And second, do they have to happen in this order? And I'm, I'm thinking about the people that don't retire, but actually are retired because their job has changed. They've been let go. They've gotten sick. Something has happened that has forced them out. Yes. Okay. These are two fantastic questions. First of all, you don't have to go in this order. Um, very often for people who have been forced out, people who have experienced trauma, I have a whole chapter just about trauma and, and how do you get over trauma. And for those people, that's the start, right? That's where you're starting from. And the other thing is that you may go forward a step and then backward, right? You think that you want to move in one direction and it turns out, yeah, maybe not so much. So you're going to go back a step. That's all normal. It's all normal. What I wanted to do though was just to sort of articulate these stages so that when you're in one of these stages, you understand that it's a normal part of the process, that there's nothing wrong with you. When we talk to people who are thinking about this next phase, whatever it's going to be, we hear a lot about purpose and meaning. And often, often I think that purpose with a capital P is an awful lot of pressure. That searching for something bigger outside yourself, it, it feels like a, it feels like a lot to ask, especially when you're struggling. How do you think about the purpose component and finding it? Yeah, I, you know, I think there's a slight difference between purpose with a capital P, which is like something just seems unattainable versus meaning. Meaning is something that is meaningful to you personally, and it may have purpose as well, and it could help the world as well, but it has meaning to you in, in your life and perhaps in your sphere, right? And I think that we have to, you know, not put so much pressure on ourselves. And in fact, one of the really key findings I came away with when I interviewed all of these people was that so many of the people who seem to have really major pivots did not intend to. These were things that um, they all said to me that they were just open. So they, they maybe they were expecting to go in one direction and they ended up in a completely different direction. And it was because they had an openness to the experiences in their lives and openness to saying, okay, so maybe this pathway that I had sketched out all along actually isn't the right one for me, you know? And you're open to alternate routes. 
This is not at its heart a financial book. It's a book about change, a book about transformation. But I think there's an element, there's a through line of the financial and that you need a strong enough financial underpinning in order to create your next. What lessons did you learn from the people that you talked to about how to do that most successfully? Yeah, that is a fantastic question. So first of all, I did interview people from all different socioeconomic backgrounds. So it's not like you have to be rich to make a change or to retire or to search for a new career. But what I did find, I gleaned from these people who I spoke with about a dozen tips. I I call it a toolkit, a toolkit for reinvention or, or simply to navigate change. And one of them I call move before you move, which is to say, Make sure that, you know, don't just quit your job today because tomorrow I want to be an astronaut, right? Like the idea is that you want to have some preparation beforehand that you want, if you're going to make a pivot, it doesn't mean you have to quit your job and leave everything behind, but you should start making that pivot while you are still in a position, if you can, if you're still in a position to hold on to your current job, your current, whatever it is to help you manage your life, right? And so, you know, there are people who I spoke with, for example, one of my favorite guys who I spoke with was, uh, he had been a, a banker and today he is a cattle farmer in the, in the Hudson Valley. And I said to him, this is such an extreme pivot. And he's like, actually, no, um, it came <laughs> over, which is right. How crazy is that? It came over many, many years. He had bought a broken down old farmhouse as a weekend home for his family. And over many years sort of got drawn into farming. And he was fascinated by the farmers who lived around him. And he leased out his property to a cattle farmer. And when that woman died, he bought the cows. And anyway, it it took many years. And as he said, like, you don't just quit and say, I'm going to be a farmer. As he said to me, that would be very, very foolish. Instead, he said it was he got drawn into it very gradually. And so by the time he was able to make that pivot, he had already learned the ropes. He had already understood where he was going and he had already kept his job so that he was financially secure in order to make this somewhat risky move. So interesting. Somebody once asked me about, you know, my career path and how I navigated it. And I I truly feel like I just walked through the doors that opened in a lot of cases, you know, and didn't say no before I explored. And I think that is what I'm hearing from you, that people need to be open. They need to have a, a mindset that will allow them to to go where they go, which actually makes me want to ask you when it comes to you, what's next? That is a great question. I don't know. I What I have learned, though, is not to get too angsty about it. <laughs> I love that. You know, I, like you, have walked through doors that have opened. I've been open to things that I never expected would be my future. The one thing I will say, though, and I, I would bet this is true for you, and it was even true for the economist turned farmer, is with all of these people who I who I spoke with, it wasn't like they were abandoning who they are at the heart of who they are. It was more like it was an organic extension of an, a realization of who they truly are at their core. So for myself, I feel like I've done many things and you you reeled off a few of them. And but basically I'm a journalist. Like that's who I am. That's what I am. And, and in every iteration of my career, that is what I do. And I feel the same way, much the same way about you, Jean. But even the farmer said he uses his skill as an economist every single day. He said, I'm running a small business. I've got to know about supply chain. I've got to know about the budgets and I have to know about forecasting. And almost everyone, the most extreme people who I met who made these career changes said the same thing. Oh, another one of my favorites, if I can just reference. I sure. love love a guy named Chris Donovan, who spent 30 years as a telephone repairman in Boston. 
And he came from a, you know, very working class family. And it was like, you get a job, right? Like, that's what you do. And so he did. And for many years, he did that. But he had this secret hobby that he did not share, which was he was sketching these fantastical, imaginative women's shoes. This was his hobby, like almost like architectural drawings. And he didn't show them to anyone because like he's a telephone repairman and this is, you know, like a little hobby, not a fetish, but like they're super architectural, really interesting. <laughs> so just to be clear. And it wasn't until he was in his 30s, he met his now husband and he finally showed these drawings to someone. And his husband said, you know, you actually have talent, like actual design talent. And Chris said that threw him into this struggle phase that we're talking about because like designing shoes is not a thing. Like he needs a job. He needs the money, the paycheck. And uh, his stop, that third step, his stop came. He was 50 years old. He was diagnosed with prostate cancer. He fortunately recovered, but he said that moment, he said to himself, I was put on this earth to design women's shoes. And he actually, this gives me chills. His his husband came to him. They'd been saving up for years to redo their kitchen. And his husband came to him, gave him the money and said, take this, go to design school. And at 50 years old, he enrolled in design school. And today he has his own women's shoe line. It's called Chris Donovan Shoes. You can check it out online. They're amazing. But I just love, love, love that story. And one of the things that Chris told me was that even though it seems like these are two separate careers, he said he uses everything from his previous life. He said other designers go and like look at nature and look at flowers for inspiration. He said, I take my pickup truck and I go to the junkyard and I look and he said, you can find beauty in these sort of unexpected places. He's even used coaxial cable in the design of some of his shoes. And it just makes them more unique. And I just love that he says, yeah, it's still me. I'm still the same guy and I'm using everything from my past. Well, I am definitely going to check them out. I have a shoe thing, too. Also not a fetish, but I do like shoes. These are fabulous stories. And the book, by the way, is fantastic. It's called Next, The Power of Reinvention in Life and Work. Joanne Lippman, thanks so much for doing this today. We really appreciate it. It's great to be with you, Jean. And with that, we close out the final season of the Everyday Wealth podcast. I would like to thank Andy Smith, Isabel Barrow, all the Edelman Financial Engines Wealth Planners who have been on this show. It has been such a pleasure hosting for the last two years. I have enjoyed every minute of it. And to the team behind the scenes at Edelman Financial Engines, to Jake and Jill and Anthony and Brian and Zoe and Jim, you guys are rock stars. And I hope that this will not be the last of our interactions. All of our past episodes will continue to be available in our archives. And for new content going forward, you can check out the Edelman Financial Engines website at Edelman Financial Engines com, as well as their YouTube channel and social media accounts. And if you have a question or concerns about your retirement goals, building wealth in an uncertain world, or anything related to financial planning, give the folks at Edelman Financial Engines a call. They are there to help. And if you're looking for me, I hope that you'll check out the Her Money podcast. You'll find us at hermoney.com, but also everywhere you get your podcasts. And the Her Money podcast is also sponsored by Edelman Financial Engine. So you can continue listening for the same sort of specially tuned financial advice there. Thanks so much and goodbye been listening to Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth with Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. If you've missed an episode or are interested in additional personal finance topics, be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth podcast. Our podcast library offers helpful insights on topics such as tax-efficient portfolios, retirement withdrawal strategies, investing, and financial planning, to name just a few. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.